Hello baseball fans and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 12th day of July, 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Well, it is the day of the All-Star Game. And the San Francisco Giants is the home of Johnny Cueto. And I think it's safe to say that Johnny Cueto is the best free agent pickup of 2016 so far. When you go pick up someone who is the starter of the All-Star game. I mean, at this point, yeah, at this point, Clayton Kershaw, I mean, I mentioned this the other day, Clayton Kershaw is the front runner for the Cy Young Award, but if he stays on the shelf... And Cueto, and if Bumgarner keeps pitches like he did on Sunday night, well, we may have a Cy Young Award winner in San Francisco for the first time since uh, uh, Lincecum. All the way back in 2009. That's back before the Giants started winning World Series. So, you know, I'm going to watch the game. Uh, I'm interested in the game. Uh, My favorite part of the game remains the introductions. That's my favorite part. And everyone lines up, everyone's Sam. And I go back and I watch previous year's introductions because you get to see all the players. You get to see them tip their hat. You get to see them be all-stars. And I, that's my favorite thing. And, and, I, and I think that all the different uniforms, you get to see all the different teams be represented. Now, I think that would have more meaning, as I've mentioned ad nauseum on this show, that to have the season begin that way, to see all the stars, see all the stars line up in their team colors and everything like that. To me, um, that what a wonderful way that would be to start the year. I mean, think about that. You haven't seen baseball, save for a little bit of spring training or save for a Caribbean series. You haven't seen Major League Baseball with the stars in their real uniforms all winter. And then suddenly... Everyone's there. There's Mike Trout. There's Miguel Cabrera. There's Felix Hernandez. There's Madison Baumgartner. There's Clayton Kershaw. All the stars line up. They tip their hat, and we're ready to go. And the winner of this game, this isn't just an exhibition, the winner of this game is the team that hosts the World Series. So you know that right from the beginning. You know right from the beginning whether or not an American League or a National League team is going to be hosting the World Series. So that's that's pretty cool, too. Now, the Home Run Derby was yesterday, and, you know, I mean, it's always fun. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's I always poo-poo it, and then I always have a nice time watching it. You know, it's just fun. It's enjoyable. It's, it's seeing... Players swinging from their heels and trying to hit big homers, and you know, Giancarlo Stanton, you know, who I do not believe was an all star this year, comes in to be a member of the home run derby and wins it. Frazier comes second, boom. 
I mean, I don't understand what the tragedy would have been to have Madison Bumgarner participate. To me, that seems to be a fun thing. It would have been, a, you know, remember fun. This is about fun. The Home Run Derby is fun. So I think that, you know, in a sense, uh, it's it's something that, that they should have done because I think it would have been enjoyable. But you know what? So what? So what? In the end, he would have swung a couple of times. You know, that's it's it's fun. And in the end, it's over. You know, the controversy of whether or not Bumgarner should participate, it's over. It's done. It's done. And someone should have been selected to the All-Star. Yeah, Lamb should have been an All-Star. People should have been All-Star. Do you know what? By tomorrow, it's done. We're moving on. We're moving on. Uh, I have mixed feelings about the the fact that the players were forced to wear these, the Padre replica uniforms, because I love the Padre replicas. I love the look of the Padres uniforms from the late 70s, early 80s. I really, really do. Making everyone wear them is weird. The, it's funny. The only team that doesn't, that, you know, the, the, the Padres themselves don't really wear those uniforms anymore. Even though it's what everyone wants them to wear. They wear a variation of the brown and yellow, but they yeah. But they make everyone else wear them in this game. I, I'm going to be stunned, absolutely stunned, if you see anyone after today walking around with one of those hats that look like a Padres hat and have the name of the team written on the crown of the cap. I will be absolutely startled because I think it's a nice gimmick. It's a nice novelty. It's so ugly that, you know, I'm sitting here talking about it this morning. But I, no one's going to wear that. If you wear that, and I'm not talking about wear it tomorrow. I'm talking about wear it, like, in November. If you bought one of those hats and it's going to do something other than gather dust in your closet, I want you, in the off season to tweet at me at Sully Baseball with you wearing that hat. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll get you a gift. Maybe I'll find something here and I'll mail it to you. I don't know the answer to that. But I just want to, I, I don't think it's going to be an issue because I don't think anyone will ever wear one of those things in public unless it's a hostage situation. Because it's a novelty and uh, they're kind of sort of ugly. I don't like making all-star players wear different hats either. You know, we've had the uh, the, the, the hat that they wore in the 2014 all-star game last year. They had the stripes across Wear your damn hat. Just wear the hat. That's part of the thing about being an All-Star. You want to see your team wear the uniform and be representing the game, and they're wearing their hat, they're wearing the uni. All right, well, yeah, there's not much to analyze about today, you know, the, the games yesterday, because it was home runs. You know, Jim Carlos Stanton hit 61 of them. He pulled a Roger Maris. Boom, there you go. It's fun. There you go. Nice festivities happen during the game. Boom, 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 boom. And we're going to have the All-Star game with Sale and Cueto pitching. And who do I think is going to win? I don't know. It's the All-Star game. It's one game. And even though it counts, the managers aren't managing as if it is, which I, I have a tremendous problem with that. You know, the the idea of getting everyone into the game is somewhat asinine. You should manage the lineup. Maybe catcher you, you manage a little differently, but you should manage the lineup like you're trying to win the damn game. 
Now, the pitchers, I understand. You can't have Johnny Cueto go nine, even though he'd probably want to. He'll probably go two. You know, Sale will go a pair. So I understand you can't wear out the pitchers. But let me ask you something. If you are trying to win a baseball game, and you have Mike Trout in your lineup, would you lift him in the fourth? You would want him... You, the, the idea of pulling players and trying to get everyone involved in some sort of Little League thing, when the game you know, supposedly counts, is, I think, absolutely absurd. Because what you know, here's a sentence that we cannot have in, with that mentality. The All-Star game was won by a walk-off homer by Mike Trout. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't you love to see that? Well, that's going to be impossible if you have the mentality of the starters are only going to be playing there for the first couple of ga- for the first couple of innings. So, the, everyone lines up and tips their hat. They're all all stars. Boom. And that's the end of your obligation of their participation in the game. If you're trying to win the game, you manage as if you're trying to win. All right, you may pinch it a little more than you normally would. You may get someone to breathe, especially if someone had like a, a tough player and maybe, you know, wore themselves out. Okay, we'll, we'll pull you here. Or if there's a matchup, I mean, of course, you could do a matchup. If this pitcher comes in, well, I have the person, perfect person to hit them. Okay, I get that. But that's trying to win. That's not looking down the bench and saying, oh, Timmy hasn't played yet. And I think that's a critical difference in terms of managing of the game. Hey, um, I'm going to do something today. Uh, I've been trying to do this when I can. I'd like to make it be a regular segment. Um, There's a question that was asked by Cubs fan with an eight. Cubs fan with an eight is one of my, my most loyal listeners and is one of the few listeners that I've actually met. Uh, we had a lovely day at AT&T Park, and he has fired off a whole bunch of questions to me. And, you know, I, I there was one I was going to answer because it had something to do with an all-star and Bryce Harper. Oh, what the hell? Maybe I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll answer two of them. Maybe that'll get, maybe that'll fill this show up a little bit, but maybe I'll answer two. Because I don't know if this first question is an entire uh, episode. Um what does Bryce Harper have to do to become a lovable player? Uh, I guess I understand the concept of this question, and that is Bryce Harper is a player who is a a marquee player. He is someone who baseball is trying to market around, and yet he kind of comes across as, like, you know, a stuck-up, arrogant little kid. And a lot of people say, I don't like it. I don't like this guy. He doesn't, you know, he has a bad attitude or something. You know, whatever it is. And, you know, yeah, I get how he can rub people the wrong way. I truly do. Um, I, I also look at the guy and I say, well, you know, he's the, he's the National League MVP. He's an all-star again this year. And my question is, why does he have to be lovable? No, I'm dead serious about that. Why is he why does he have an obligation to be lovable? 
why can't he fill the role of the player with substance that it's okay to hate? Now, let me bring that to a better context to make you understand where I'm getting at here. This is not... There, there are legit reasons to really dislike certain players. You know, I mean, I did the whole thing on domestic violence. I, there have been people who say things that are bigoted. There's some people who do things that are truly ignorant. So that's hating someone for reasons that go beyond baseball. That's hating people for a social reason, the fact that they are that they happen to be baseball players um, accentuates the, the, the reason to, to dislike them. But that's not what Harper is. And this is why I don't find the reason for him to be lovable to be really on the front burner at all of something that I'm concerned with about, about Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper could be fun hate. It's fun to hate some people when it's for fun reasons. People hated Reggie Jackson. They hated him. Because he was cocky, because he was arrogant, and he came through. Speaking of an all-star game performance, people still talk about the home run he hit off the Transformer in Tiger Stadium in 1971. Tiger Stadium doesn't even exist anymore. Hell, I'm talking about it. It took place before I was born. But Reggie was cocky. He was arrogant. He had a chip on his shoulder. You know, he was flamboyant. And then would come up and hit the snot out of the ball. And people disliked that, but he also came through. He walked the walk. People disliked Clemens and Bonds. Now, before the PED stuff and everything like that, they already did. You know, people forgive PED stuff big time. You don't believe me? Read all the glowing stuff about Ortiz and Bartolo Colon being in the All-Star game this year. Absolutely effusive. And they're both users. So it's, it's, it's people like Cologne, people like Ortiz. They're lovable. Bonds and Clemens weren't. And I don't think either one of them really found a need to do something lovable. Granted, Clemens would occasionally do something funny things. that He did a funny cell phone ad once. And... And he did a zest ad where he supposedly sang, but I think he was dubbed over. But there was no need to make them lovable. None. They were guys who could walk the walk. They were a little arrogant. They were a little cocky. And they had substance as well. Well, they eventually shot in some substance, but you understand what I'm saying. There was no need for them to be cute and also cuddly. And, there were, and that added a flavor to the game. When Bonds beat you, it stung badly. When you beat Bonds, you were effusive. The same thing with Clemens. Clemens had some big successes in the postseason, some huge games in the postseason. He always got clobbered in the postseason. Barry Bonds had that remarkable World Series and postseason where he kept hitting the ball out from here to creation, but he also had a bunch of bad postseasons of which the opposing team seemed to relish in. And that's one of the things that makes baseball fun and enjoyable. You know, it's the hat that, that Harper wore that's the parody of the 
Donald Trump hat, let's make baseball fun again. Well, that's kind of, having a player like Bryce Harper, having a player who is eh, a little cocky, maybe a little arrogant, maybe rubs you the wrong way, but is a player of substance, I believe is a positive thing for baseball. Kurt Schilling was that way. Forget Kurt Schilling being the, the grumpy old man being pushed out of ESPN and everything. When he was a pitcher, he was a little, he spoke a little too much, he was, he was, he yapped, he was intensely unlikable, unless he was on your team. If he was on your team, you loved him, because all of a sudden that arrogance turned into a positive thing, and he won games too. He won a bunch of games, and he was big time. And I believe that there's a ton of room for that in baseball. That if you can get someone who's one of the bigger stars of your game to be someone who the ah, the fans of his team love him to death and opposing teams hate him. I've used this analogy before, but the best James Bond films are the ones with the best villains. The best Star Wars films, the best Spider-Man films, the best Batman films are the ones where the villain is the best because there's more on the line. Bryce Harper can be a villain, but a fun villain. Not a villain because they did something horrible off the field, but just because on the field they're a bit of a prick. And that's good for the game. I think asking him to be lovable is to do what Nurse Ratchet did to R.P. McMurphy. Is you're taking away the thing that is unique, the thing that is powerful about them, the thing that could be helpful, the thing that could be marketable, the thing that could be make his presence oh a positive thing. Constructive hate, fun hate, meaningless hate is great for baseball. It's what made the Yankees so hateable. There was a, it's not a recent thing. It's not a Steinbrenner thing. There was a musical called Damn Yankees. People hated the Yankees. And one of the reasons why they hated the Yankees is because they were good. Do you know a player who was you know, lovable, but also people booed him, people loved to hate him, was Babe Ruth. They loved to want to beat Babe Ruth. We only think of him as lovable because, well, New York writers dominate the narrative. That's why people think of the 1950s as some glory area of, of baseball. Well, it wasn't in Cincinnati. It wasn't in Philadelphia. It wasn't all these cities that didn't even, you know, get to the World Series. Yes, I know Philadelphia made the World Series in 1950. I met the A's. Good God. And yes, I know the A's moved to Kansas City in the mid-50s because attendance was terrible in that glory era. I know, I know. Who the hell do you think is talking? But why do we want him to be different? Why do we want to lobotomize him? Why do we want him to be cuddly when he is who he is? And that's a positive thing for baseball. Baseball needs heroes. But not to get all beach boys on you, but they need heroes and villains. And I think that there is, you know, if you have someone like Mike Trout, you have someone like Andrew McCutcheon, who are both, you know, unbelievably easy to root for players, and having a uh, a mustache twirler like Bryce Harper is not the worst thing in the world for the game. In fact, it could be the best thing in the world. 
So I hope he doesn't become lovable. I hope, and do you know what? I hope he wins a World Series too. I really do. Not at the expense of the Red Sox, but I would like to see him win a World Series because I'd like to see him perform on that big stage and get that, yeah, I won my ring. What are you going to do about it? Do you know when A-Rod was the most likable for me? Is when he stopped trying to be Jeter. When he stopped trying to be this perfectly marketed machine. And there's a part of me like, yeah, I've got a bit of a jerk. What do you want from me? I'll smoke big cigars. I'll run around as a single guy. Blah, 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 blah. That's what I liked it because he was more sincere. If A-Rod played the villain and embraced being the villain right from the beginning, I think that would have been great for baseball. I really, really do because people didn't like him anyway. And he seemed so hard. Why wouldn't you love me? Why wouldn't you love me? And at one point, I ah, screw it. You don't love me. And that's what I think. Yeah, we don't. And that's and that's okay. It's really okay to pull a reverse Sally Field. We don't like you. We really, really don't like you. And that's good for baseball. Villains are good. So Cubs fan with an eight. Well, I'll answer the. I'll do the other one for the other part of your question. I'll do some other time. Um, and uh, as I mentioned before. Jim Carl Stanton got a full wob for winning the home run derby. Todd Fraser gets half a wob for coming in second. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, swear on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Well, enjoy the All-Star Game, everyone. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 12th day of July, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan, and I will get home field advantage with this podcast, and you can call me Sully.